My name is JP, and this is Masters of Divinity. And we are recording in South Florida. Should we tell people we're from South Florida? I don't know. Is that Brooklyn? Recording from Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm South Florida. I'm South Florida Pride. Okay. I don't care. Matt, are you also I'm South Florida? I'm not here. <laughs> okay. Matt's in Brooklyn. I'm not in South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> we're already off to a great start. This is our fourth attempt. So let's start with. Um, origin stories. Uh, this whole thing kind of came about as a brainchild of Chuck. Chuck, uh, why don't you give us a 30-second version of who you are and how this uh, uh, came about in your mind. Okay, um, so I'm I'm Father Charles Browning. Father Charles. Everyone calls me Chuck. I'm an Episcopal priest here in South Florida. Um, I'm at the Chapel of St. Andrew in Boca Raton. Um, a little self-promotion there for what we do. Um, services at 8 and 10.30 on Sundays. So there you go. Plug um, your church. Of course. Um, so so, I'm a, so I'm, a, I'm a young priest, and, um, and I had this idea after listening to JP talk a lot about podcasts, um, this idea that maybe um, me and, and Matt, um, who you'll hear from um, here in a minute, who's um, the two of us have similar but also some divergent um, backgrounds that we thought would be kind of a neat opportunity for the two of us to talk about theology, church-related stuff, pop culture, all of that, and sort of just bounce off of each other, riff off of each other, and um, just have some good conversations for the benefit of our listeners. And so since we're both um, fairly recent graduates of uh, seminary programs, in in one of the the great seminary um, degrees you get is what's called a Master of Divinity Thought it'd be great to play off the, the He-Man theme. So, there we go. <laughs> it's something that all three of us fell in love with at the exact same time. So that's what we're doing this. I'm gonna gonna pass it on to Matt. Matt, give us a 30 second rundown of uh, just who you are, why you're here, and um, your favorite Hoopa Stink album. <laughs> in only 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. That's... Go on about the album first. And go. Um. All right. Well, I'm. 32 and born and raised pretty much in the same church, a Baptist church. Um, don't judge me. Graduated with my master's from Trinity International University. Um, incredible place. If you're looking to study, look into there. And am obsessed with the idea of more discussion among people who are of like faith and different faith. Just more talk, less argue. So that's why. I love this idea. Plus, these two guys in the room here are pretty fun. So hopefully that'll show up too. Otherwise, you'll quit listening very quickly. So. <laughs> probably, probably should add that we all met in college. Oh, should yeah. Should we promote we, Palm Beach Atlantic University? I think we should. It's 7 o'clock. Thank you, computer. <laughs> um, that's my computer. It tells me what time it is every hour. Uh, just ignore that. <laughs> This is professional operation we're running here. It is. It's wonderful. This is why, I, you know, if, if I knew that it wasn't going to be a little bit ragtag, I wouldn't have signed up, Chuck. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing this now. That's good, yeah. Uh, oh, I, I'm JP, by the way. I don't have a degree in any kind of theology. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like I, I, there, I, I have a degree in film production, and I tried to pursue that for a little bit. But uh, I met these guys. I met Matt in high school. At the uh, prestigious, uh, I don't know. Does that school even exist anymore? Does no, it, it's gone. I Literally, it's, yeah, gone. it's gone. It's not. Doesn't it, school? It's, it's non-existent. Down. We went to a very small, very small, private, uh, very evangelical Christian academy. 
uh, that is <laughs> no more, I guess. And then uh, I met Chuck. Chuck was my uh, RA at PBA. I also met you before I was your RA, for the record. But I like introducing you as my RA. Okay. I think it's, I don't know, it's kind of funny. Like, yeah. I became friends with my, my RA. We really became closer while I was your RA. That's, that's true. That's absolutely true. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and you mentioned a second ago that you don't have a theology degree. I think the hours that you have been subjected to Matt and I. That's true. I probably ought would, to would warrant have. you some form of, like, honorary degree <laughs> from some institution. So if there's some theological institution that's listening out here and you're looking to to award someone an honorary degree, John Spencer Post here uh, is the one who uh, should receive it. Um, and if possible, a doctorate would be nice. That'd yeah, it pays more. Good. Yeah, yeah, it would. I'd probably start writing books. I wouldn't mind one of those first. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> that's like, wait a second. <laughs> Great. Well, okay. So uh, <laughs> now you kind of have an idea of who the three of us are. Let's get to some pop culture stuff. Okay, pop culture. And it's the stuff that uh, we would probably already be talking about if we weren't recording us. Um, and that's kind of the idea behind the podcast as well, is that this isn't that different from any other kind of conversations we usually have. And so if we go into pop culture and then go into politics, it's not to push some kind of agenda. It's just the stuff that interests us. So I'm going to start us off right at the bat. Uh, Men, I've talked about a little bit, but I haven't talked about it with you yet, Chuck. There is some news this week in the uh, DC Warner Brothers front that Batman vs Superman, the Batman vs Superman Blu-ray, is um, being released with a rating of R. Yes, I've seen this. News. You've heard about this, yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? What are your What are your views? Because you're you're kind of the DC guy. I am. I am. And you say that while rubbing your eyes very. <laughs> very, very rigorously. Uh, well, I think any any DC Comics fan who listens to this will know probably why I'm rubbing my temples. Yeah, I'm also a, I'm also for the record a, a, a Marlins fan. Oh, um, baseball. Oh so I, I think that I we're all I winners it, here. Yeah, and I think it's just part of maybe you know as I'm as I'm attracted to Anglican Christianity as being an Episcopal priest and to um, some ancient forms of the of the faith and spiritual disciplines. I think. Um, you know, self-flagellation is a part of this, and, yeah. you know, maybe whatever, but that's, that's a whole other topic for another time. Now the, so what I, what I, what I'm interested in this is how, and I guess a lot of people, if you're looking on the internet, talk about this already, that these are things that are sort of meant for kids. Right. Um, and so the idea of like, like, like Deadpool, like I haven't seen Deadpool yet, but I know that Deadpool has like made like all the money right yeah. now. I mean, yes. it's like doing really well. And like, that's an R-rated character. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Superman? Superman. I mean, I can even I can even kind of entertain Batman. Yeah. And even uh, edgy element of it with with Wonder Woman because she's you know she's current I guess currently the comics of the God of War I think so um, so she's kind of got that background to her but even then it's kind of eh. but like Superman like when I was three years old like I ran around with a Superman action figure in my hand. Oh, I, I used to dress up as Superman. I had red socks that came up to my knees. I wore every day while watching Superman. I, right. I get it. Yeah. So the idea of turning this, you know, the, the big blue Boy Scout into an R-rated character is weird to me. It's also weird that my 15-year-old my nephew can't watch a Superman movie. Right. And, and I, you know, and if, 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 if we're not just taking this to like a somewhat of a religious theological level, it's kind of interesting, the obsession with a particular demographic who wants to see violence and darkness as adult and serious. Right. And, and I guess what intrigues me the most about this is these are the, the kind of people who are gravitated to that are 
somewhat of the demographic we are all at, which is young white males with facial hair. Yeah. Um, we just counting. We all have facial hair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but like that, you know, it's just sort of a stereotype. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. If not for the grace of God, we would all have egg avatars on Twitter, right? Um, <laughs> you are the egg. But like, but yeah. So like, I'm just, I'm really in- intrigued by this this sort of you know, and we can talk about all kinds of things. The whole idea of like people not growing up, refusing to grow up. I know JP, you've got this really great theory that I that I think about a lot, which is that you know we are all of a generation with Nickelodeon as a network that just did nothing but tell us that being a kid is the greatest thing in the planet. Right, um, and then you you know once you kind of graduated out of Nickelodeon, you went to what their you know the other Viacom network, which was MTV, which also told you being a kid is awesome, mm-hmm. uh, being young is awesome, um, and and so this whole like thing about just not growing up, and so we just try to hang on to the stuff that we we grew up with, fueling the fire of our youth obsessed culture. Yeah, 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 and and but but even more so, I guess not just the the, the refusal to grow up, but the idea that like. That it somehow has to grow up with us, yeah, right. And then, and then that specifically mutates into dark, violent thing. That like it's only serious and only mature if it's dark and violent, right? Like, why does that? Why do those things have to go hand in hand? That's just that's interesting. Well, it's it's. Uh, I think the dark and violent. You know, when I was a teenager, I, I thought everything that dark and violent was what grown up is. And, um, I think that's just catering to that mindset, you know, and it's, and it's, it's a very young mindset. It's not an adult mindset. You know, I think dark and violent is like, uh, what a teenager thinks being a grown up is not what a grown up thinks. Um, Matt, what do you think? What are your thoughts? If you have any at the moment? Um, well, uh, unfortunately for the sake of the fact that you're recording this right now, we had that discussion and I pretty much <laughs> echo what Chuck already said. Yeah. Um, although he said it more eloquently, so I'll, I'll <laughs> pretend I said it exactly like he did. Um, but it was pretty much the same kind of a discussion, and the idea of taking things and for no other reason than making them violent, dark—the way you're saying—it's doing it just for the sake of doing it. It serves no purpose artistically, mm-hmm. and it serves no purpose in furthering anything. Um, well, I mean, because like like Superman, like 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 just getting back to Superman. I mean, Superman's whole thing and why he has resonated for so long is that I mean, he's the man of tomorrow. He's us, but better, right? Right. So he's supposed to embody the things that we all kind of wish. I mean, he's the ultimate power fantasy for for, for males, in, specifically I guess white males in, in, in American culture or Western culture at large. That so so he embodies all the stuff that we kind of wish we had, which is just a, you know invulnerability and all this kind of stuff and so i'm wondering how much of that is like so we created this power fantasy Mm -hmm. now are we allowing the power fantasy to sort of like speak back into us like is it sort of this figure eight thing and now we're sort of you know we're sort of we're sort of creating the sort of god that we want to worship I guess out so. Of, out of it's yeah, I can't. I could see that. I, I think a lot of it has grown out of. I think it's very reactionary in a way, which you know is kind of what corp, corporations do, uh, without any kind of sense of nuance. I just remember in the years between like you know Christopher Nolan's run of Batman and like Marvel, whenever someone brought up Superman, they should make a Superman movie now. Is there going to be a Superman movie come out? I remember my conversations, the other side of the conversation was always, that would be terrible because Superman is a bad character. Why is Superman a bad character? Because he's all powerful, he's all goody-goody, we don't want to see that. 
Well, we had a really long conversation <laughs> about that. Like, the whole Superman's unrelatable. Yes, that that's actually one of my favorite um, conversations. Yeah, that's one of my. Uh, oh no, do you, Matt? Do it's you think a, it's such a commentary on society do you, as a whole? So, do you think um, Superman is relatable, Matt? Let's, the level of nerdom we reach so quickly. It's in this wonderful. Recording it's why we're doing just, this. It's astounding <laughs> how quickly this spirals into <laughs> Superman being relatable or not. Um, well, and if I if I wanted to quickly even like if if I want to pull the eye roll card one more time. Okay. If, if I go can. ahead. Go ahead. Um, let's go straight from Superman being unrelatable back to God, if we will. Okay. Um, it is a commentary on society's inability to accept the concept of something greater than themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Superman is an unrelatable character to me because he cannot feel pain because he's invulnerable and he is always does the right thing. It can solve every problem by punching it. Right. You can just punch it. But you can't it's feel also pain, though. Right, right. But that's this is the I'm I'm arguing for the nerdy people <laughs> who say that he's untouchable. Um, it's kryptonite. <laughs> but it's the same. Like ah, oh, JP, the places you're going to take me with this. No, that's that's the whole point of this. Let's do it. Jump right into um, a certain movie critic who discussed a certain Star Wars movie in a way that made me rather Kevin Marachi. Kevin Marachi. Yeah, we'll go with that. We will call him Kevin Marachi. Um, any resemblance to actual names is purely coincidental. Okay. His commentary on the the Force Awakens and how mm. the Force in that movie did not make sense and was stupid because how could anybody just all of a sudden be good at something that they didn't practice? And the, I don't. I don't know. You're thinking, how does this fit into the Superman thing? But in my mind, all of it in this bizarre way that's so hard for me to put into words, perfectly fits into an inability to accept anything outside of what can be explained. Mm-hmm. Um, the what are, what are we calling him again? Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Marachi. Kevin Marachi, Kevin Marachi <laughs> went so far as to say that the, the answer would have been if they reintroduced um, Metachlorians from the prequels. If they just had a physical thing inside the person that explained why they were able to do this stuff. And I remember saying it's what that expresses to me in a profound way is his inability to accept anything spiritual. Hmm. It leaves no room for mystical. Um, it leaves no room for, um, and it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a cheesy sci-fi movie. I know there's people listening right now going, who in the world are these guys? And it was Star Wars. Get over it. But it, it's the same thing with like Superman. It's this idea that if I can't, if it can't be easily explained to me inside my realm of understanding, meaning I can experience something to a certain point and beyond that point isn't real because that's not how I experience it. Um, that bothers me and I think is, is a big thing on how people relate to, to bigger issues such as, uh, as God and spirituality. They, I want it. I want it easily defined and placed in a box. And if it's outside of that box, it doesn't work. And I was telling JP, like with with spirituality, there's discipline, there's study. I can learn. I can get a master's and study spiritual things. And then there's a child who understands it better than I do, just because of the way they're open to it. And I said, and that to me is what his problem was with the force in the movie. Like yeah. it's, it's trying to explain a, um, a spiritual reality to a mm-hmm. physical, 
only thinking person. Like, so probably the uh, misconception about uh, Superman kind of ties back to maybe how you feel about spirituality in the first place. Or um... Well, I think maybe I'm taking it to a little bit different place, but like listening to Matt talk, I was thinking about like the criticism of, okay, so Superman Returns came out. Mm-hmm. 2006. 2006. Yes, and all of a sudden a guy who is unrelatable actually dealt with struggle, and we didn't like that. That was right. Amazing. Well, what, 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 what struck me, sorry, the, the criticism that I always heard, I actually really like Man of Steel as a movie. I, I enjoy the movie a lot. But what what I'm what I was interested about in is how all the all the complaints that I heard about Superman Returns was he never punches anything. How come Superman never punches anything in his movie? He's here. We have this super powered being and do anything. Why doesn't he punch anything? And then we get a movie where he does precisely that, and everybody hates the thing. And that's, that, to me, is an interesting disconnect in and of itself. But thinking about it, I, so part of what people complains, one of the complaints about Man of Steel is, is that Superman's whole thing is he has the ability to beat the bad guy up while also saving everyone. Like, that's, like, his whole thing. Like, he is, what, what makes Superman amazing is, in, like, the old, like, George Reeves show, mm-hmm. wasn't so much about his strength, but really was... How is he going to get out of this situation? And he uses his superpowers in order to, to do things that are somewhat impossible that no one else could do. So what I'm getting at with this is, so for me, so everything boils down to the kind of God we want to worship. To me, everything we do as people is rooted in the kind of God that we want to worship. And so to hear people say, like, and then Superman is undeniably a mythic godlike figure for, pop, for American pop culture. And so when we hear people, when I hear people say stuff like, I just want to see Superman punch something, to me, that's, that's a theological statement in some mm-hmm. ways. And that reveals that we want to see a God yeah, who's into retributive, retributive justice, who wants to punch Satan, who wants to punch, you know, whoever we feel is the bad guy. A God who wants to reach down and stamp out ISIS. Yeah, a God who just, yeah, solve all of our problems that way. But what's interesting is Christianity flips this because we believe in a God who died. Like... He isn't a, like a super. Like everyone kind of makes these jokes that Jesus being sort of like a Superman, you know, Superman character, but he's not. I mean, he was he was killed. He mm-hmm. died. Like it wasn't like he like oh like some sort of fake died or something like that. Like he died. Like that's that's a key thing about. It. And so like the idea of the role of violence in all of this is very fascinating to me because violence for us is like violence for us is. Um, Redemptive, and I know that's a that's a loaded concept, and maybe we can get to that at some point in, in this discussion or another discussion. Mm-hmm. But we understand, you know, that like, at least for me, the God that I worship is a God who is willing to suffer violence, and the purpose of that was mm-hmm. to expose what that violence represented, and that was that ultimately we want to kill God. That's what in part inside of all of us, mm-hmm. and so, and then what he does is he miraculously defeats that by rising from the dead, which is this crazy bonkers thing in the Christian faith, that it says that even the most like evil act that you can do as people, which is murdering God, even that is not powerful enough. So therefore, sin is empty. Now, I know I'm taking a bunch of leaps here, but that's fine. Um, but that's, that's sort of where I'm, where I'm, where I'm thinking about this. Stuff. No, we have a, we have a concept of uh, redemptive violence. Like you're talking about, like we can gain redemption by fighting for it. But then we, we believe in a faith that flipped it upside down and said, if, if violence is redemptive, it's only when we're willing to be the ones that take on, that absorb the violence, if you will, yeah. that are, have it acted against us instead of acting it out against others. Yeah, and, and, and we get to this place, it's, especially as Americans, I think we get to this place where 
um, we love this idea of a triumphant, victorious God. I've been reading a lot of Japanese theology the past few years, and they're really, and the Japanese theologians are really big on... Because <laughs> that's what I do on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Japanese theology, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Toyohiko Toyo, Toyo Kagawa and um, 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 Kazuo Kitamori. Um, anyway, but they, they all talk about... Um, they talk about how, like, for Japan, I mean, Japan's a country that has suffered, and the Christians there have suffered for so long, that for them, God, they have a hard time wrapping their heads around a kind of triumphalist God. Hmm. But, like, we Americans, we love a triumphalist God. And really what that comes down to is, is that it's sort of, we get to enjoy that by proxy. It's like, oh, God wins. Oh, God, the God of manifest destiny, the God who conquers the savages, you know, and puts them in reservations and lets the white man come and move from coast to coast and extend his dominion. Like, we like that kind of God because that allows us to be powerful and strong and all of that. The idea of a God who who dies is not something that we're in suffers. This is something we're not really that comfortable with. And that's why, to me, Christianity is very subversive to a lot of the American um, sort of political theology, right. social type stuff that we see. And, I, and, and again, I see all of this mirrored in, like, the stupid decision to make an R-rated Superman movie. I really have a hard time. So we're not for it, is what we're trying to say. We're not for it. <laughs> Love the idea. I, I have a really hard time joining in on the discussion when you begin with things like, I've been reading a lot of Japanese theology. Matt, <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I've told you how much of a nerd I, I don't. Like, I, so like, I, have, I don't know where to go with that. Um, I've been reading a lot of... I can't, I can't even make something up that sounds out of My coffee table in seminary... My, my coffee table <laughs> in seminary was like... Um, I had like Watchmen... Kingdom Come, and then I had um, um, St. Uh, Thomas Aquinas's Summa Theologica, just like sitting there on my coffee table. And this is what I read for fun. This is what I did for in my downtime. That's why. That's why we're friends, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, and, and you, you mentioned Watchmen, and I just kind of want to bring this aspect to it. And maybe I am ripping off a little bit from Kevin Maracci. Um, you know. This this whole trend of making superheroes super violent. Like we can go into the history of comic books. I don't really feel like doing that right now. But the whole trend of dark, violent superheroes kind of started in the '80s with you know Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns, and Alan Moore's Watchmen. Well, I guess it started with Miracle Man, then Watchmen. You know they they were tackling violence as a means to um, make people that were still reading comic books who were not kids anymore, people our age kind of confront violence and why do you like this? The violence in Watchmen is not um, glorified. It's ugly and it's uh, repulsive. And, you know, knowing Alan, Alan Moore, the, you know, snake-worshipping magician that he is, he was definitely doing that just to kind of like say that, you know, it's kind of weird that you like this, that we as a culture kind of worship this. And that's always been his thing for a while. And Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, I don't... I've read that once. I know you're more familiar with that, but how, how does... That kind of approach violence, that that particular. Well, I mean, Batman's a was, fascist. I mean, yeah. he's not apologetic fascist in that book. Yeah, and it really raises the questions of of how, like, like, like the idea of vigilantism. Right. Like this idea that there's somebody who comes somehow is above the law, and we and this person just they make that their decisions for us, um, and we're supposed to celebrate this person i mean there's just a bunch of weird stuff like this in culture like uh, just uh, this is somewhat unrelated to maybe i don't know but like today i was i was driving and i saw a, i saw a car an suv a black suv in front of me and they have like i mean it almost took up the entire rear window of the suv was a hydra sticker 
<laughs> and it's like, okay, like who is this person driving this car? Because okay, like, okay, it, do you just like the hydrographic? I mean, okay, I can get it. It's a skull octopus thing. Like that's I, I get the I can get that. You are one but, away from being a Nazi. But yeah, that's the other piece. Like these are Nazis. <laughs> Literally one of a step away from like, a swastika. These are Nazis. Like I get like like I get the people who sort of like they wear like the Joker T-shirt and they're like ha ha ha. You know we're gonna be like or a Darth Vader hoodie. Yeah, for I'm, the looking, record, I'm looking at Matt. For, for, those of the, for those of you listening out there, um, I was judged greatly by John Spencer Post over here for buying my son a Darth Vader hoodie because I was supporting. You might as well give him a Hitler, uh, yeah, a Hitler mustache. Uh, yeah, Let's, <laughs> just yeah. Kidding, we will not get into the, but like, okay, but the like, debate that that caused. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to get into that debate a little because it's like, all right, so. George oh, no. Lucas appropriated sort of like the imagery of the Nazis in order to get everyone to understand that Vader and the Empire were bad. Yeah. Um, the, the, but like, like Hydra was like, they're meant to be Nazis. Right. Like that's their whole, even though they're fictional, they're fictional Nazis. Like they're like, they're like an offshoot of the actual Nazis that kind of, if I'm not mistaken, felt that Hitler didn't go far enough. They're kind of like the science department of the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you have that on your car. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and we're supposed to be okay with this. Well, it, it is, it's weird. It does all go hand in hand with the stinking R-rated Superman. I'm annoyed by how well this is tying together in my head. Yeah. Um, because we've spiraled so far out of control. <laughs> I hate to think that that actually served a wonderful purpose. <laughs> but Just embrace the nerdiness, But it man. is, it, it, it is so nerdy. <laughs> You're going to full-time ministry. Let we are nerds. <laughs> Let it flow. So, podcast two will be the discussion of, um, Schindler's List and, <laughs> and the, space Nazism. And the space Nazism <laughs> while constructing the second Death Star, and should the people on the Death Star have been saved or not? That's the discussion JP and I had for two hours one night. Ooh. Yeah, judge me all you want. This is a good one. Um, Matt however, doesn't think Schindler's a hero. That's... What I was saying from this. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Wow, <laughs> put that right. Context, people, is everything. Um, I'm allow just that I'm to just be less than one in theological study. Total context kidding. is important. Um, <laughs> and humor. Uh, and humor is necessary. Um, however, what was I saying? How the Hydra back to, symbol, yeah. and how watching these fun, very for the first time in my opinion, comic book movies made the way a comic book movie should, where my four-year-old and three-year-old kid can sit in front of these things, and I don't feel like I need to guard the TV, while still being well-made and well-written. However, what do we take from it? We place Hydra symbols on the back of our cars. <laughs> um, yeah. It shows the obsession, like you're talking about, with we were, were raised in a world that, that makes us think that, that violence, that language, and I mean, think about this. If a movie has violence, language, sex, and is just inappropriate humor, what do we say? We say that it's full of adult content. Right. And we act as though there's something inherently adult about losing control in all aspects of life. Because let's be honest, language is a loss of control. Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, when you go off on a rant and your language goes out the window, it's because you've lost control and you're, you're going out. Violence is a loss of control. It's all about losing, which 
ah, the, the levels my head is working right now. I mean, you want to get into fruit of the spirit and self-control. I know you're, you're over there thinking the same kind of thing. I can see it in your face. But we, we're, we move away from those, and we're raised thinking that's adult. And trying to guard our kids from thinking the same way, we perpetuate this system of this idea that language, violence, and sex is inherently adult, like inappropriate usage of sex, because sex is not inappropriate in and of itself. We'll have a great discussion about that sometime, I'm sure. But the inappropriate use of sexual content, language, and violence, and we say that that's an adult thing to do. And it caused us to grow up in a world where we felt as though when I'm an adult enough, I'll be able to watch that. I'll be able to be a part of that. I'll be able to do that. Um, so we even watch these fun kid movies, and yet we want to place ourselves on the side of the dark, quote-unquote, adult character mm-hmm. and place their symbol on the back of our car. Um, we, we want to... We want to act out the the dark part, the the adult part, the Darth Vader, the dark side, because he's the grown up. Luke Skywalker is the whiny little brat. Right. Um, amen. But <laughs> it's. I mean, and he it's, doesn't. And, and Luke Skywalker doesn't really become sort of a man until he until he's becomes, wearing black. Right. Until and he's he becomes dark. With the dark side. Yeah. Right. Until he becomes dark and brooding and violent. Um, whereas the true examples of people who reach a level of maturity and change the world are the ones that act outside of that. The ones who remain controlled, the ones who won't partake in the darkness and the violence, but instead step outside of it and impact the world. And scripture praises a childlike faith. Because I think it's it's speaking of that same kind of thing. We allow all this crap to, that we think is adult to get into our heads, overthink things, and lose focus of the whole point of what we're doing. Here. Right. I wonder. I wonder too about like. So there are people who who see the who interpret the story of Adam and Eve eating the fruit as this loss of innocence. Of this, I mean, obviously, there's a loss of innocence, but like sort of like a. Um, um, you know, we interpret it in such a way of, of seeing like they were childlike, they ate the fruit, and then they became what we consider as sort of like jaded, cynical adults or whatever. Um, and I'm wondering about, you know, after that happens, what, after, after Adam and Eve eat the fruit, you know, death enters into the world. Violence, bloodshed enters into the world. You know, the whole story of... The pain um, of child rearing. The pain of child rearing, but then you know, a lamb, a lamb being um, slain to give them clothes. Enters in or is greatly increased. Let's um, talk about that. Um, you know, being told that you know it's going to be painful to to get food and all this kind of stuff, and so so there's so so and then you know lying and all that kind of stuff. So you got speech, you've got violence, you've got you know all of that kind of showing up after the fall. And I'm wondering how much of that's like parallel, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm actually the kind of person, I don't necessarily believe that the Adam and Eve story is a literal, actual, happened historical event, but that it sort of mythologizes an experience that many of us go through. We come to an age where we want to be adults. So like you're talking about, like a kid, you're, you know, you're enticed by, you're enticed by, you know, the, oh, it's, it's, the, the sex and the violence and, and right. the language and your parents tell you, you know, like either tell you when you're older or they tell you, you know, like. You know, they tell you no, and they restrict it. And then, as you mature and get older and older and older, you're more and more, you know, you want to gravitate to those things. Right. So well, I was wondering about the parallels. Yeah, well, with the, well, with the Adam and Eve story, they they knew only peace, um, love, 
a, a unity. Um, they were in union with each other, God, creation. They knew only harmony. And yet they're enticed by the idea that there's more you should know, and until you know it, you're not the most you can be. So in essence, they were lied to and told, um, you know what, you're not an adult. You're just a little child being led around by God. Um, you don't understand what good and evil is. You don't know evil, and until you know evil, you're, you're not an adult. And that's, that's what we're talking about here. Like, we, we perpetuate that, and I, I grew up believing, until I understand evil, I'm not an adult. It's like, you know, we, we actually use words for the guy who's out there standing up for what's right and doing it in a way that they're not arguing, fighting, they won't punch you in the face. We use words like, well, they're so naive, they don't know how the world works. Well, maybe they are the ones who actually understand about how the world should right. work. Mm -hmm. And we're the ones that lost track. So we're the child yelling at somebody thinking we're an adult because I can use my language in violence when that person actually understands there's a better way to do this. Um, and it's the Adam and Eve thing. It, it, I think it goes right back to that story. It's them in a garden and Satan whispers in their ears, hey, you know what? You want to grow up? You got to understand what evil is because God doesn't want you to be an adult. He wants you to live a little child and never understand the world and know what it's like. Hmm. Um, and they choose that and there's a death that takes, that takes place instantly and then ultimately a death that takes place later. And, um, yeah, I think it all ties together. And how did we get here? <laughs> uh, Superman. That's Superman. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, Kevin Marachi, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's kind of weird, um, for me to speak out against like, you know, um, making something rated R because I do love my rated R films. I do. I, I love horror movies. I love action movies. Uh, bloodier, the scarier, the better. Um, but you know, I'm also a big comic book fan and I've just kind of discovered that when comic books are, are when a comic book film, especially superheroes, when they're kind of like made for what they truly are, which is to kind of be fun and lighthearted and funny and mostly focused, I wouldn't even say kids, but like all ages, those just tend to be more fun and have a better time watching them. And I actually learn something, especially when they put some effort into the writing. And I think that's why, that's why I like Marvel so much. And I think that's why they're doing so phenomenally great. And it's just kind of weird that, you know, DC, I don't think that they that they don't know what they're doing. I know that they, like, they said that we don't want to be like the competition, a.k.a. Marvel. They're definitely referring to Marvel. Um, so they're trying to do things differently, which I can... Because, I mean, we know all those image comics movies that are just flooding the market right now. <laughs> exactly. They're trying so hard to be the adults. They are. You know, but they, they look at it as, we, we don't want to do what they're doing, even though what they're doing is, like, right, you know? Um, they want to do their own thing. And so what they're doing is, and I, I've said this before, like on Facebook and stuff, that <laughs> I've heard this sentence inspired by the, by Frank Miller's The Dark Knight so many times in my life. Like, um, to kind of create a whole universe and a whole medium, a whole genre based on, like, something that was just kind of, like, said with one one and done story. Like, you don't understand the, the, the text or the subtext. And you're just kind of creating a whole world of, like, misery, especially considering the source. You know? Well, I just would like to say, if, I, if we back that up and 
digitally replace a couple words. What a great commentary on theology, <laughs> theology and <laughs> how we take we have taken a great passage story and uh, totally misconstrued it to create a universe of misery. How did you put it misery. Yeah. yeah that, wow. Have you seen examples of that, Matt? Like, or have you? I'm not, I'm, you well, don't I don't want to totally side reel no. everything you bring up. Go ahead. Yes, let me tell you an well, exact example of somebody that I will see tomorrow in church. That's no. That's, that's what. That's <laughs> what I was on. myself that. But I mean, have you? Um, I don't know. I mean, have you seen that? Have either of you ever experienced something like that? You know, within the church, when um, not just not just missing the idea of a passage, of course that happens all the time, but maybe someone like basing like their entire worldview or their entire who they are around something. And it's like, Oh, you just kind of totally missed the mark on that. Or <laughs> where do you start? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Like where do you start? Um, first of all, I think a, a big example of that, I mean, it, it is the idea of redemptive violence Yeah. In, in America. That's a big one. Like, uh, they bombed our buildings. Let's bomb them back because um, God's on our side. Let's go get them. Um, it's such a mis misinterpretation, I, I, if for lack of a better way of saying it, of um, Scripture and who God is. Hmm. We think that, but we've based our whole society on it. This whole idea that um, the right thing to do is a t- is an eye for an eye. Where, because the Bible says an eye for an eye. I love how people throw that around. The Bible says an eye for an eye. Yes, it does. And then Christ purposely well, speaks it's into also, that. It's also a complete misunderstanding of what the Torah is trying to say mm-hmm. with eye for an eye. I mean, you know, they're coming off of, they're coming out of Egypt where mm-hmm. if a slave had like plucked, had like managed to gouge out an Egyptian's eye, like their entire family could be murdered. Right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the law a, is like, it's, it's equivalent. It's, it was it's, a step forward. It was yeah. a, it was a step away from, um, to limit escalation. Egypt. Right. It was a step away from Egypt's. Well, you stole from me, so I will wipe out your entire family line and a step toward, um, and I just lost the word for it, but it was uh, like an equality, um, not, not an overreaction, not an escalation. Like you were saying, um, you take this, you take exactly a, then I can take exactly a from you. So it's an eye for an eye. Um, but then Christ speaks into that. That's where we get hung up. It's an eye for an eye, an eye for an eye. But then Christ comes to fulfill the law, fulfill the law and says, yeah, it's been said an eye for an eye, but I tell you to turn the other cheek. Um, so what that means is think of it this way. Um, you, you take my eye, I can take your, your eye, right? According to the law, I'm completely justified in that. And it would not be a sin. Christ tells us to turn the other cheek. In essence, what he's saying is, is if somebody hits me in the face, I legally have every right to hit you in the face. It would not be a sin. Christ says, instead of that, take theirs also. So I'm not only accepting the abuse you enacted on me, but I am willing to take the very consequence that should be enacted on you. Um, I, in all right under the law, can slap you in the face because you hit me first, but instead I'll take yours also. And it's, it's ultimately what he did, did on the cross. Um, but we get hung up on the eye for an eye part and base an entire society on that and we're all killing each other. Well, it feels good. 
I don't know if you've ever punched someone in the face. <laughs> I, 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 have I have decked people in my time, and i got to tell you, it feels good. <laughs> um, I've only done it on accident. I've never done it on purpose. Uh, I could say that. It, you know, it's like, you know, we think of, you know, there's all these comments on the internet about you know, people having, like, a punchable face. Like, I know what that's like. <laughs> I've given into that. Um, and, and, and we want to justify that kind of stuff so much. Um, and, you know, and I know we're talking about, like, you know, retributive violence or whatever right here, but like, it's all this other stuff, you know? I mean, we, we, we all grew up, we all grew up with youth camps where we, we all asked the question, you know, like, how far is too far with a girl? Is, is this sex or is this not, when is, when is it sex? When is it not sex? When's oh, it, I can't wait till it? we have the sex talk. That's going to be fun. And, uh, oh, wait, <laughs> JP, your parents haven't had that? Oh, that's, that's, a, no, uh. What are, you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> but no, but I, I think like you know, we 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 always we always really really we we want to justify this stuff to make it reinforce the stuff that we find to feel really good. Um, we really don't like the idea of having to give up that kind of stuff, having to restrain ourselves or, or whatever. Um, and so again, let's get back to the power fantasy. I mean, it's, we get back to the power We're Right back to Superman. Right back to Superman. <laughs> punching people in an R-rated manner. <laughs> um, though, though I guess, you know, I guess we could take this another place and I know we're probably running out of time, but. If you want to call it that. <laughs> to think, uh, to think like, yeah, no, I'm not going to go there because we'll, we'll take up more time. I think it's probably a long enough episode. Unless we do, we feel we've satisfied what we were here to talk. I don't about. even know what we're talking. I mean, that was just one topic that I had in mind. <laughs> the end. Okay. All right. It's All been right. fun. Okay. Yeah. So those are our thoughts. Uh, um, I'm going to end this podcast uh, episode here, and I'm going to end it by asking uh, first uh, both Chuck and Matt what their favorite um, Mitch Hedberg joke is. Chuck. Whoa, I gotta be first. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Matt, do you want to go first? You, no, no, I can, I can go. I can go. I just gotta think for a second. Okay. Um, um, probably, probably the one that he makes in one of his early albums, where he talks about being at a um, at a at a comedy club, where somebody holds up a candle in the back of the room to let him know that his set time is running out, and he <laughs> says, um, he says, "Oh man, this place is haunted." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Matt, do you have one? Oh, I do, but I couldn't tell mine because it would take too long. It's his only one that would take too long, and that's Smacky the Frog. <laughs> um, if you haven't heard it, you should just look it just up. Just go on YouTube, look at Smacky yeah, the Frog. Because that is the only example of a joke of his that is too long for me to tell right now. So we'll go Smacky the Frog. I also like where he says that he's a comedian, which means he lays in bed trying to think of funny stuff. And then if he can't reach the pen, he stays up convincing himself it wasn't that funny anyway. <laughs> that's my sermon writing process right there. Exactly. <laughs> that's like my life process. That's <laughs> that's why it took so long to this podcast. Like, oh, that's not theological valuable. I'm not going to write that down. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. Well, uh, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. And we're sorry. Um, and uh, maybe we can plug some stuff. Uh, Chuck, is there anything uh, you have out there that people can – Look for you like on maybe Twitter, online, books, whatever. I mean, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Twitter um, at fr charles b. Um, but probably the best thing to do is to go to our church's website. Um, it's chapelsta.org, and there's a little blog that I'm sometimes doing stuff on there, and you should be able to find us um, through all of that. That's probably the quickest, easiest way to do stuff. Wonderful, Matt. How about you? 
Where can people find you? Well, I'm real Matt Wells on pretty much everything. So pick a <laughs> pick a thing, type it in, you'll probably find me. Okay. Um, and and if you want to plug stuff, I have an ancient book that probably four people read. Matt has a book, and you I should buy book. it. Like four people read it, and it's five years old. So what's it called? Nice. It's called Fix Me, Love Them. Fix Me, Love Them. As it should be. Uh, sorry, say it again. Fix Me, Love Them. Christianity as it should be. And people can get that on Amazon. Yes, I can. Awesome. Do that. You'll enjoy it. You'll love it. And uh, my name is JP. You can find me on Twitter at John Spencer Post. And uh, that's it. That's our first episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.